0: You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Joining me for our Friday podcast, Rob Rang has returned to the airwaves. Rob, we are less than 48 hours away from the Seahawks' second game at Heinz Field, a place they haven't played so well in the past.
0: Well, you're right, Corbin. They have not played very well there in the past. But of course, Russell Wilson has never played there. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Russell Wilson led Seahawks uh, are going to be much more successful in Pittsburgh than some of the previous teams.
1: Kicking things off here on our Friday show, we're going to break down some of the latest news out of Retton. We also got a very brief storyline on Russell Wilson. You mentioned him never playing at Heinz Field, and we'll have a little bit of fun with our Google Maps here in a moment. In the second quarter, Rob and I will look at several key matchups for Sunday's game in Pittsburgh, and then we'll wrap up the show setting up the perfect foolproof game plan for Seahawks' victory at Heinz Field. Can't wait for that segment. Going to be a lot of fun. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. Yesterday, a lot of players and coaches speaking with the press, a lot of little nuggets to try to digest. And Rob, really the thing that stood out to me most, I love that you mentioned Russell Wilson and never playing at Heinz Field. He was asked about that and said that he has been preparing for the game by looking at the stadium on Google Maps.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, obviously today's technology gives you access you never had before and when people think about that kind of stuff they think about oh the the crowd noise or you know or this or that a a lot of it when you're actually on the field where is the play clock where where is the the different information and those are the types of things that a a veteran quarterback knows to look ahead of time obviously he's not going to fly over there you know but if he's able to look on on Google Earth or whatever to be able to find that type of information, and it helps him be that much more prepared when he does step onto the field, hey, I'm all for technology in this case.
1: Yeah, he, he was saying he was trying to visualize what the stadium looks like, and we know that uh, Russell Wilson is all about preparation, so I can't say that I was completely taken aback by that, that he said that. It actually seems like a very Russell Wilson type behavior, but it's not something I would expect most quarterback to say if, if asked a similar question. And the other thing that really jumped out, Brian Schottenheimer, Seahawks offensive coordinator, very visibly frustrated with the way that the Seahawks offense performed in the season opener, and he actually said he had a tough time sleeping on Sunday night after the Seahawks struggles and and that's the thing that fans don't realize sometimes is how much this wears on coaches too even in a victory when things don't go as well as planned for your unit that you were coaching you take it personal
0: oh no question about it I mean just again I've I've coached the high school level certainly not anything close to what these gentlemen have worked at but yeah, that, that, that's one of the things is that you, you take the losses harder than you enjoy the wins And, and even when you do enjoy a win You still are going to be nitpicking things And let's face it, I mean Seattle played about as ugly as you can And still get a victory And they did so in the friendly confines Of CenturyLink Field It's obviously going to be much more difficult in Heinz Field You're going against a more talented opponent With a potential Hall of Fame quarterback you know, So I think that this is a fascinating matchup I can't wait to break it down with you
1: Looking at some of Schottenheimer's other comments, obviously there's a lot of things to be frustrated with offensively. The offensive line struggled in this game. They weren't able to give Russell Wilson time to throw the football. Uh, The big thing was all of the third and longs that they were set up with, and it just didn't really allow... Him an opportunity to come up with viable calls. And so that often put him in a position where they were deciding to run the ball on third and long. Let's let our all pro punter Michael Dixon flip field position. And a lot of fans don't like that approach. And Schottenheimer actually said, shoot, I was over there booing when all these third and longs are coming up. So these, again, these guys take this personal and he's calling the game uh, calling the plays. So certainly he was disappointed and feel he did a good enough job as a coach. Uh, I think what needs to be emphasized here though, Rob, you and I've had a chance to talk about this before in the past, but when you have third and 15 or third and 16 and you are deep in your own territory, yeah being aggressive you can get the first down it, it is something that's possible but sometimes those pros don't outweigh the cons when you're in that kind of field position
0: oh no question about it i mean i think that you seattle's success and, and many of the other teams in, in nfl the college football again even the high school level is based on running the ball controlling the tempo playing sound defense so As you said, Corb, I mean, there's a lot of teams out there, New England, New Orleans, the L.A. Rams, that are built around distributing the football through the passing game, and they can complete those 3rd and 15s. But that's all about not only the quarterback, not only the wide receivers, but, of course, the offensive line. And Seattle's offensive line has been hand-selected to be those gashers in the running game who also can play some pass pro. But that's not their specialty. And so if you suddenly ask players to change what they are best at, then you're going to struggle. And certainly when you're going up against a talented team like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have a number of difference makers on the defensive side of the ball, and again, are going to be playing at home, and they're going to be playing very angry considering the butt whooping that they received by the hands of the defending Super Bowl champion of England Patriots.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people just don't realize that when you're in that situation, it stinks to see a team look like they're waving the white flag, but there's strategy behind it, especially during the early stages of the game. I mean, how are fans going to react if Russell Wilson throws a pass on 3rd and 15 and it gets tipped? and then the other team picks it off, and now they get to start their with, like, maybe the 25-yard line, and they only get to go 25 yards to score a touchdown. Then you're going to have a bunch of fans really angry, like, why'd you throw the ball? So it's one of those you-can't-win situations unless you move the chains. If you throw the ball downfield and you pick up the first down, then everybody's like, you need to do that every time. And the reality is, even though it's possible... It's not something that happens very often. So it's a really tough situation, and there's not many play calls that can pick up that kind of yardage either. It just puts you in a tough spot. So there's a reason that coaches go conservative there. One other thing that jumped out to me today, actually, this was pointed out by you. We've mentioned Shaquille Griffin had a great debut to the 2019 season against the Bengals, one of the few guys on defense in the secondary that really had a great game, a couple really nice pass deflections. And... He was, again, talking about how great he felt on the field and not being fatigued because he's down to 194 pounds.
0: Yeah, 194 pounds, and he was 212 a year ago. I mean, a a drop of uh, of 16, 18 pounds, I mean, that's remarkable at the cornerback position. I mean, if you have a big guy, if I lose 16, 18 pounds, believe me, I'm going to want some credit for that. But I'm not going to run a 4-3, and, you know, when you see a corner in a second, third season be making these types of of drastic changes, then I think it kind of begs the question of uh, what was he doing last year? Was he too big last year? Was that really the reason why he did have that kind of sophomore slump that it felt like a year ago? Um, And as you mentioned, he was very good in Seattle's opening game uh, or opening season win against Cincinnati and certainly throughout the preseason and everything I saw throughout training camp, I thought the Griffin was truly one of Seattle's best defensive players on the field and that's saying a lot considering the talent they have on this team. So to me that that was a fascinating thing for him to mention that that he'd lost this much weight, um, that he has looked as good as he has, and then you look at the receivers that Pittsburgh has. I, to me, they are one of the truly, again, one of the more fascinating matchups, and a, a big part of that is the wide receiver position because they have so many different versatile-type receivers. We all know that Antonio Brown's not there, but the big Juju Schuster, we have the smaller guys as well. Uh, so to me, again, I'm very curious to see how Seattle's defensive backs match up against Pittsburgh's wide receivers.
1: I'd be really curious. I've heard Pete Carroll talk about this a few times with other players that he prefers players to be lighter and faster. He prefers speed. So it'd be a really interesting question to hear what he had to say about why Shaquille Griffin was at that weight. Did they want him to be heavier? Was that his own personal choice? And then after one season being at that weight, he's like, you know what? I need to trim back down to what I was when I came into the league. I'm going to be better off lighter. And at the corner position, that makes sense. That would certainly be an interesting conversation to have if you could get a candid answer about it from Pete Carroll, make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the vivid seats app help you to get to your favorite live event and promo code kickoff at checkout to receive a discount of up to a hundred dollars. When we return to start the second quarter, Rob and I are going to dissect some of the key matchups worth watching in Sunday's game at Heinz field. You're listening to the locked on Seahawks podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Crushing it at work, or maybe you're laser focused on beating that boss level on your latest video game, that doesn't mean you shouldn't eat. DoorDash can help you get your next meal from your favorite restaurant in minutes. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Whether you're in Seattle, LA, New York City, it doesn't matter. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities. So you might find a new favorite too. With DoorDash Delivery in all 50 states and Canada. Order from your local go-tos or choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and Chick-fil-A. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKED ON. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code LOCKED ON. Welcome back, twelves. This is a Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host Corbin Smith, alongside Rob Rang. Later in the show, we're going to develop our own game plan for the Seahawks to be victorious at Heinz Field. Really looking forward to that. But first, before we look at the whole game and you know the you know what are the what are the keys to victory we got to look at some of these individual matchups, and we've been talking throughout the week, Rob. There are certainly some really intriguing ones worth watching, and and I think that this is what's always fascinating once you get past the first game of the season. Once you have to start accounting for injuries and guys that potentially might not play in games, that suddenly creates new matchup issues that you have to consider when reserves start to go on the field.
0: Well, you really do, and and this is the kind of football that really gets me excited. I mean, because... Everybody knows who Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, all these different players that everybody has heard of. But when you're breaking down the backups, when you're really testing the depth of different teams, you know, Corbin, you and I have talked all summer long, all fall, about how we think this is one of Seattle's deepest teams since their Super Bowl years. I mean, since so this is a really talented, deep team. They may be young, they may be inexperienced, but they are talented. And so the fact that we are starting to have the injuries. Seattle and for Pittsburgh it's really going to test the depth of both clubs and that in my experience with the NFL draft background and and all these things I mean obviously being a Seattle guy I know the Seahawks well but I feel very confident that I know Kevin Colbert the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers his roster very well also and so I am fascinated by some of the matchups that really look like they could be in Seattle's favor in this game.
1: So I'm going to start off with my first matchup here with a big question mark on Pittsburgh's side because I talked about this on yesterday's show with Nick. Marquise Pouncey, Awaiting the final injury report, but he has not practiced yet this week dealing with an ankle injury. And you and I both know the center position is extremely vital to an entire offensive line. Uh, for all the line calls and different stuff like that. If Marquise Pouncey is not in this game, B.J. Finney is going to replace him in the starting lineup. And we'll have to wait and see who's out there. If Pouncey's playing, he's obviously one of the better centers in the NFL. That That's a big deal for the Steelers. If he's out, that could impact their entire offensive line line. That's just how important the center position we've seen this with Seattle when they've had to play backup centers in the past Uh, doesn't always work out in your favor. In fact, it's usually a detriment to your offense. And so I'm looking at that matchup. If the Seahawks have to go against Marquise Pouncey uh, and they're not going to have Puna Ford most likely for this game, Now you've got Al Woods, probably Quentin Jefferson down there. Brian Monet is going to get more snaps. It seems like that's an advantage for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But if B.J. Finney is your starter at center, now I'm suddenly starting to wonder, can I get Quentin Jefferson on the nose on pass rushing situations matched up against him after what he did to the Bengals last week against a backup center? I think Quentin Jefferson can eat him alive. So this is kind of a toss-up depending on who's available.
0: Well, it certainly is an advantageous matchup if Seattle is going to be going up against B.J. Finney against instead of Marquis Pouncey. Pouncy is just a significantly more athletic player. Um, Finney, who plays college ball at Kansas State, is a big, fit, tough guy. He's not especially quick. So if Pouncy is your starter, then I would expect Pittsburgh to continue to very much mix up their offense. Obviously, you're going to be throwing the ball a lot with Ben Roethlisberger. But you also have a very effective running game with James Conner and his backup, Jalen Samuels. And one of the things that Pittsburgh likes to do is they like to move their center. One of the few teams that will do this will move their center, Pouncey, because he's so darn athletic. And they'll actually pull him. They'll have him lead. They, They do some incredible things with Pouncey just because he is so agile. Finney is not that caliber of an athlete. So it's going to change Pittsburgh's running attack. And that is, again, going to give Seattle a little bit of a tip of what Pittsburgh's looking to do. Anytime you can make an offense a little bit more one-dimensional, it gives the defense a huge advantage.
1: Yeah, when you have a lack of flexibility offensively because of a player being out, and we've seen this, the Seahawks have dealt with this before when certain players have been banged up and their replacements cannot do all the same things that the starter can. It does. It hamstrings you offensively. So that is certainly a matchup that could favor the Seahawks depending how this plays out. And really, when I'm looking at another uh, particular matchup that I think the Seahawks can exploit, the New England Patriots had seven pass plays of 20, uh, 20 yards or more last weekend. And I look at the corners on the outside, there's a chance Joe Hayden's not going to play in this game. So again, another position that has a question mark for the Pittsburgh Steelers health-wise. And they've got to try to stop DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, who, biggest strength for those two players, is getting downfield and catching vertical balls. And I look at this as being just an outstanding opportunity if Russell Wilson has the time to throw the football and those guys can let their routes develop downfield I think that they can torch the Steelers a few times downfield. To me, that is the biggest weakness on Pittsburgh's defense. Even if Joe Hayden is in the game, he's not going to be 100%. I feel like that's an area the Seahawks can exploit offensively.
0: You know, absolutely. I, I Again, just like I was talking about with, with Marquise Pouncey, who played his college ball at Florida, Joe Hayden played his college ball at, at Florida, and and those are two of the absolute most athletic players at their respective positions, and two of the strengths for Pittsburgh. So certainly, if the Steelers don't have those players, um, or if they are limited, then that certainly limits what Pittsburgh can do. Um, you know, and then you know, look at the backups for, for Pittsburgh. I'm a big fan of their third round pick, Justin Lane. He plays college ball at Michigan State. Very physical corner. Better speed than you might expect. Some people have actually compared him, to Shaquille Griffin. But at the same time, he is a rookie. And he has not gone up against receivers to have the size and speed of a DK Metcalf. Certainly not ones with the straight line speed and the savvy of a Tyler Lockett. So if he's suddenly being expected to start in place of Joe Hayden in his rookie debut at uh, you know at Heinz Field, that's an awful lot of pressure when you're going up against the quarterback as talented as Russell Wilson. So that is definitely a matchup to watch. On the up opposite side, you have a uh, the the. Free agent from Kansas City, Stephen Nelson, who played his college ball at Oregon State. He's kind of that that classic Pittsburgh Steelers core, He's a little bit more of kind of a of, of a, a zone kind of a guy. Does not have that elite straight line speed. We know that DK Metcalf and, and Tyreek Lockett are both four or three guys all day long, um, and so I think that again, like New England did a week ago, that there are going to be some potential uh, you know opportunities for Seattle deep down the field. To me that one of the huge matchups is Seattle's pass protection against Pittsburgh's Steelers. I and mean, we know the Blitzburg defense and, and their whole mantra, and certainly their outside rushers are absolutely dynamic. And Bud Dupree, TJ Watts, two very effective players. But it's not just their edge rushers, not just those outside linebackers, but even their defensive linemen. You know, we, we saw against Cincinnati that, that Seattle struggled at the point of attack with their defensive line. Pittsburgh is big and strong, and they're certainly their defensive line, their defensive ends in particular, Stephon Tuitt, Cameron Hayward, a, a couple of very high draft picks in the past. They are long and strong, and they're going to give Seattle's offensive tackle some problems. So that to me is really the, the key matchup in this game. If Seattle can protect Russell Wilson, if they can get enough a movement in the running game and make their offense multidimensional, then Pittsburgh is going to be on their heels. And I think that gives Seattle a puncher chance to pull off the upset on the road.
1: Hayward is... One of the most underrated players in the NFL. He has 20 sacks the last two years. Obviously, a really good run defender as well. So, we saw what Geno Atkins did last week at Hayward. I won't say is the same type of player, but he is equally as disruptive. And that's a player that certainly the Seahawks interior line they're going to have their hands full. And actually, having Mike Ewotty back to be able to block him to me, that would be a big deal. As well as Posick has played. I don't know if I like that matchup with Posick trying to block him. I think Potty from a strength and size standpoint, is a better matchup trying to block him, especially if he's trying to move him in the run game. And pass protection, again, the size is something that really factors in when you're going against a big-bodied player like Hayward. So I'm really fascinated to see how that matchup works out with the pass pro up front. The Seahawks struggled assignment-wise last weekend. Surprisingly, I expect they're going to come out much sharper this week, and they're going to have to with the guys that they're going to be going up against on the other side. One other matchup that really stands out to me, I talked about the outside corners for the Steelers against Metcalf and Lockett. I look at Pittsburgh, you talked about this already a little bit, they've got a lot of different types of receivers that they can throw the football to. I got to wonder about the guys they're going to have in the slot running against The Seahawks just brought back Jamar Taylor. Good chance he could be starting this game. Ugo Amati has been dealing with a shoulder injury. Seahawks didn't even run much nickel last week. I think that changes in this game. They're going to have to run more nickel defense against Pittsburgh's offense with the receivers they've got and the style that they play. I envision that being an area that the Steelers may be eyeballing a little bit. Like, we might be able to take advantage of that. Taylor just now coming back to the Seahawks. Amadi's a rookie, a fourth rounder at that, that doesn't have as much experience at that position, maybe as some other spots. Didn't play a ton of snaps there in the preseason. That is where we can take advantage, middle of field passing game against the slot.
0: Yeah, I think that that's something that, that certainly that the Steelers are going to try and take advantage of. Now, again, I, I've argued before that I think Jamar Taylor won the nickel position throughout training camp. Now, I, there's no doubt that he gave up some big plays throughout the training camp, the, the, the preseason games. Um, I would argue that he played pretty darn solid, um, and there was only a couple of fluke plays where he got beat. But he's going to be going up against a pretty dynamic low receiver in this Deontay Johnson, the rookie um, that, that Pittsburgh drafted that, you know, again, frankly, physically speaking, reminds me a little bit of Antonio Brown, some of the other Pittsburgh Steelers receivers that have been absolutely dynamic for them in the past. Uh, Ryan Switzer is another guy, kind of that classic, more of a New England Patriots, kind of a, a short, very quick, doesn't have the elite straight line speed, but with those very quick slot receivers going up against Seattle's nickel corners we, we've talked about this the entire time. Nick Corner was one of the positions of concern for the Seahawks. Obviously, they struggled um, just in secondary in general against the Cincinnati Bengals. I do believe that Ben Roethlisberger is going to try to throw the ball all over the yard. Um, and so that, to me, is absolutely a huge matchup uh, to keep in mind. And then one other one I would mention. I feel like we're, we're kind of remiss. that We both said that we thought that Chris Carson was the best player on the field for Seattle on the offensive side of the ball for at least a lot of that game against Cincinnati. I'm very interested to see how effective Seattle is going to be running the ball. But it's not just that. Pittsburgh's linebackers, we talk so much about there's so much focus on their outside linebackers. But the the Steelers tried to get faster. They they aggressively moved up to get the rookie, Devin Bush, from Michigan in the first round pick. They signed Mark Barron, a former safety, to play that inside linebacker. Vince Williams is more that that classic Pittsburgh guy, that big run-stepping guy. But Barron and Devin Bush have straight-line speed that nobody on Cincinnati's defense had. So if Seattle is going to be able to effectively run the football, they're going to have to make some dynamic plays against a much faster Pittsburgh linebacking core than we've seen in past years.
1: I think it's going to have to be a really physical ground game to be able to run on these guys. Because I do think when you look at players like Devin Bush, a little more undersized, obviously great sideline-to-sideline speed. Uh, can quickly react to the run game and knife into the backfield Can make plays. I think if you get a big lineman on him and you're physically running the ball down their throats, if you can win up front in the trenches, that's, trenches, that's the key. If you can get to the linebacker in second level, I think you can run the football a little bit on these guys. But if you're trying to win sideline to sideline, have fun with that. They The guys they've got, you're going to have a really difficult time getting that done, especially with adding Mark Barron to the fold. A guy that's pretty familiar with the Seahawks from his time playing for the Rams. Coming up next in the third quarter, Rob and I are going to team up to make the perfect, unbeatable game plan. Those of you out there that are getting ready to play Madden, it'll work on video games too. Make sure that you're listening closely. We'll be right back on the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter what you bet or how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, alongside NFL draft guru, Rob Rang. Rob, it is time for you and I to unleash a game plan, a game plan that is foolproof, that absolutely 100% of the time will work against the Pittsburgh Steelers.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I I, I enjoy the fact that that you think that we're this expert. Maybe you're that good, Corbin. I'm okay. But I have a lot of confidence in Brian Schottenheimer and, and Ken Norton Jr. to make their own game plan. They're certainly not going to be in the you know hostile conditions of, of Heinz Field. But you know, my philosophy is very similar to what Pete Carroll has done in that I believe that the way to battle a team that is as explosive offensively as Pittsburgh is is to try and eliminate or as much or as limit as much as possible their opportunities with the football. And so that means running the ball and playing Pete Carroll kind of football. And it may not be aesthetically pleasing, but damn it, I'm more interested in wins than I am about trying to impress fans with, you know, our style. And so I think that Seattle is going to be running the ball, as we talked about before. It's one of the reasons why I mentioned Chris Carson and Rashad Payne. Certainly, I think there's a chance you see CJ Proseis in this game. I think that Seattle is going to have to attack uh, Pittsburgh's linebackers. They are speed, but as you very correctly mentioned, they are small. And if you have these monster guards, they're 6'5", 330 pounds in your potty and and in DJ Fluker, then use them and take advantage of that size. That, to me, would be the very first thing I would say is continue to run the football and open up the play-action passing that we know that Russell Wilson and certainly their their speedy physical receivers can take advantage of.
1: I love that you mentioned the ground game, and I'm going to say – three words that many Seahawks fans hate they absolutely despise anytime I bring it up on social media uh, you have a lot of angry people that come out of the woodworks and I don't know why they don't like maybe it's because it isn't you know, the most visually appealing thing to watch on a football field but the Seahawks have to stay on schedule in this game and part of that is getting that ground game going when you're getting hit at the line of scrimmage or for tackles for a loss that puts you behind the sticks how often do we hear Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer talk about that you know we were, we were behind the sticks and they were behind the sticks a lot last week and it's really hard for an offense of their style to be able to put together consistent drives when the first play or you know first down plays and second down plays are not positive and they're not able to get yardage out of it. it's really difficult to move the chains and you know there will be some people that argue well that's why you should throw the ball more on first down. But there were some plays the Seahawks threw the ball on first down last weekend, and Russell Wilson didn't have time to throw the football. So now you've got second and ten or longer if he gets sacked. Well, so. exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, Not to interrupt you, but that was one of the things that, real quickly, I think that a lot of times people are going to say, if we were going to say, well, what's their first play, if we want to break it down that quick, I think a lot of times people are going to say, you do play action pass. They're expecting you to run. Do play action pass, first play of the game. They're expecting it. did you get that sack on the very first play? now you are behind schedule you are now facing a second and 15 and hopefully your quarterback's healthy and all that but you're, you're already so far behind so again run the football and, and do exactly as basically as what you were describing before i cut you off i apologize
1: no, well, I'm glad that you threw that in just kind of as a supplement to it. But that's exactly the point that I'm trying to make here is that, and I've said this all off season long, I'd like to see the Seahawks be more aggressive. And really, to me, it's about being less predictable. Mix, up, mix yeah. in more first down throws, more first down play action. I'm all for that. That does not mean that I think the Seahawks should be throwing the ball 80% of the time because this team is not built to do that. Their offensive exactly. line is not built to do that. They don't have enough receiving depth to be able to do that. They've got the quarterback that could orchestrate it. But at the same time, I still really believe that this is the type of offense that Russell Wilson is at his best in when he's got that run game and he's got the ability. Something I'd like to see the Seahawks do a little bit more this week, actually, is get him involved in the game plan, running the football from the quarterback position, mix in some of that read option game so that you can keep that defense honest. I'd like to see that. And again, that's another thing you can use to keep yourself on schedule when your quarterback has legs and you know use them and he's smart about it he's not going to take big hits he's going to get down he's going to get out of bounds so they should be able to trust him, make the right decisions on those plays, pick up some plays in the ground with the quarterback, and I think it could really open things up. But really what it comes down to, staying on schedule so that that play-action passing game can flourish. If you're in a 2nd and sixteen, second and 17 situation because you got sacked on first down, it is much harder to go. You can't just go out and be like, let's run an I-form pass, uh, play pass and have Russell Wilson fake it. The defense isn't going to honor that on 2nd-and-16 or 2nd-and-17 they're coming for your quarterback and now suddenly it's third and 23 or Russell Wilson's trying to evade him and he fumbles. We've seen this game a few times. So, you know, I I get being aggressive and there are times for, it. but at the same time, you do have to stay on schedule and Part of that, uh, getting that done for the Seahawks, is running the football so they can set up that play action and they can get that vertical passing game going, which I truly believe they can have a lot of success against the Pittsburgh Steelers doing that as long as they're able to stay on schedule and set up those opportunities.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I said that. I thought the pass protection was, was probably the number one key for Seattle in this game because the pittsburgh steelers are vulnerable in the secondary that has been one of their issues for years and years and years now um and so i I look at their defensive backs and it's that much more of an issue for them if joe hayden as we talked about before is unable to play in this game but let's just assume for a moment that he does play you you look at some of the defensive backs that, that, that pittsburgh has the safety position whereas seattle has really prioritized guys who are ball hawks and While it hasn't necessarily always resulted in big plays for Seattle's defensive backs, that's certainly what some of the, you know, what what they had done in college. That's not necessarily the case for Pittsburgh's defensive backs. I mean, Sean Davis, Cameron Kelly, I mentioned Steve Nelson, Joe Hayden, Justin Lane. These are not guys who had five, six, seven interceptions a season while they are in college. They had one or two, and I specifically remember them dropping many. Uh, potential interceptions. These are guys that, that play defensive back for a reason. Um, it's because they don't have necessarily the greatest hands, but they are physical tacklers, um, and, and they usually are in decent position. But they are vulnerable because they also don't have elite speed. And while we know that DK Metcalf has that great speed, we know Tyler Lockett has that great speed, to me what's so exciting is that we've seen, even with the rookie Metcalf in that game against the Bengals, that he did show some ability to recognize that, hey, Russell Wilson's in trouble. I'm going to break free. We we saw the big play where, you know, Russell kind of threw the ball over the top. DK made the great catch. It's that type of rapport that is already being developed with Russell Wilson, why I think that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett could potentially – have a big score or two or three in this kind of a game because I do think that there is a scenario in which this is the type of game that those analytics those pass happy Seahawks fans out there are going to love because I think there is a scenario in which this is a absolute barn burner of a game in which both offenses are essentially waiting to see who has the ball last because that's the team that wins.
1: So you're thinking the 2015 game all over again. I don't know if there's going to be quite those kind of fireworks, but man, just back and forth. And there was some good defense in that game. even though There was tons of yards, a lot of interceptions. Richard Sherman had one. Camp Chancellor had one. Atuba Rubin had a pick in that game. I mean, it was one of the most exciting games, and we talked about it extensively on Thursday's show, but looking at the defensive side of the ball real quick, obviously when I look at the Seahawks what happened last week I expect a a different game plan I expect more nickel defense to me the biggest key to slowing down the Steelers is hitting Ben Roethlisberger I don't care about sacks see I don't go out and get 10 sacks whatever it's about how often can you get in his face and because here's the thing Ben Roethlisberger is a big guy and he's willing to sit in the pocket and take hits he is going to scan the field as long as he can looking for he wants that vertical ball downfield and so he's going to wait for that opportunity to open up. And if he's not getting pressured, he's going to have the time. He is going to burn you. But if you're able to get to him, he's a very hard quarterback to sack because of his size. But at this stage of his career, if you can get to him, swarm him with defenders he's a guy that is still, even at 37 years old, he is more than willing to be a riverboat gambler and he will turn the football over sometimes. The Seahawks were able to do that some in 2015. Obviously a lot of different players in their defense now. But if you can get to him and you can get some hits on him, even at being a guy that's in his 16th year in the league, he's still a player that will take those chances and you can capitalize on that.
0: Oh, you absolutely can. I mean, we we talked about this earlier in the week, Corbin. Now, you know, obviously everybody who is a Seahawks fan was was disappointed in Tedrick Thompson mistiming that leap and and giving Cincinnati essentially a gimme touchdown. He's going to get opportunities to atone for that uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger because as you just said, Ben Roethlisberger is going to stand in the pocket. He is going to throw those balls deep. They do have the wide receivers, especially in Juju and uh, and in James Washington, a second-year player from Oklahoma State, who that's their strength, is going up and getting the football. They're not real big guys. They're six foot, 215 pounds, but that 215 pounds is no joke. They're very physical. We talked before about Shaquille Griffin, how he's a little bit smaller. I'm curious to see how he kind of matches up from a physical perspective. I know he can run with them. But so I think there's going to be opportunities for Seattle's safeties in particular to go up and pluck the football. The question is, is can well, they take
1: advantage of it?
0: Exactly. And that, that's what I think is going to be a, another key matchup for this game.
1: Yeah, and you know, we can always use the cliche one turnovers are going to win the game. You can say that about every single football game. So, I'm avoiding the clichés. I'm looking at one at at keys that are very specific to this game. And I think when you look at the type of offense Pittsburgh running, and you just talked about having those bigger body receivers that can break tackles. That is a really big thing to me. Can you limit the yards after catch? Because the Bengals were able to turn some of those receptions last week, some real short passes into big yardage after the catch the Seahawks cannot afford to have that happen in this game on the road, and it comes down to tackling. That The first touchdown John Ross had, the Seahawks missed several tackles on that play. They were obviously out of position on the flea flicker, but they had guys there with a chance to make the tackle, did not finish. There were several other times they missed tackles, They're they're tackling in week two. Obviously, week one, you expect there to be some rust, especially with the way practices are now. They just don't tackle like they used to at practice. But in week two, you expect that to start changing. These guys have to be sharp in that area where the Steelers have playmakers. When they get the ball in their hands after the catch, they will torch you. They will break arm tackles, and they will pick up big yardage, potentially house their receptions too. And if that happens a bunch, this game has the potential to get ugly. You have to tackle cleanly against this football team.
0: Well, I'm happy you mentioned that, because as I said before, I do see a scenario in which this is a barn burner and a 30 to 30 kind of a game, you know, in the fourth quarter. And as I said, whoever has the ball last wins kind of a thing. I also think there's a scenario in which Pittsburgh is able to get ahead and then their pass rush is able to take advantage of Seattle trying to come back and this game could get ugly. And so that to me is why you have to stick to the script, as you said before, early in this game. As Pete Carroll has been known to say, you can't win the game in the first, second, or third quarter. Keep it close, especially when you're on the road. And so, again, I think that this is a fascinating matchup from a talent perspective. The, the scout in me is excited for this game. But also from the kind of the coaching perspective and, and just how do you play this game, and that's why you listen to Locked Lockdown Seahawks.
1: Make sure to follow me on Twitter at CorbinSmithNFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the Locked on Seahawks podcast, you can contact me, LockedSeahawks, at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever podcast platform you listen to by visiting us online at LockedOnSeahawks.com. Coming up on Monday, we will be taking a look at everything that transpired in Heinz Field. Hopefully, Rob and I will be talking about a Seahawks victory. We'll have to wait and see how this game goes. I'm extremely fired up about seeing these two teams compete at Heinz Field. I think it's going to be a really close game between two well-coached teams. Enjoy the game. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.